Hello everyone, how are you this beautiful day that the Lord has made? I'm Karen Jane Casey on the podcast, Turn to God with Karen. And every Monday, our episodes are Hope and Faith Journey. This is where we look at really hard times, struggles that we're going through, challenges, and we find encouragement and hope for healing, always knowing that we can turn to God about anything. He is our refuge in times of trouble. Well, it's all about our hope and faith journey. So this month, we'll talk about the conflicts of focusing within the pages of my first book, My Dear Rosa Jean. Here, especially, we look at the ins and outs and everything in between about domestic violence, the cycle of abuse, how lives are shattered, a person's determination when they're down to not be destroyed, and finally, what the price is by keeping secrets. This book, although fiction, is based upon my own life story, which is a cautionary tale as well as encouragement for us all. Today's episode title is The Cycle. Well, before we get started, I feel I need to briefly share my testimony. My life began in a very dysfunctional and sometimes violent home. I was experiencing child abuse physically, emotionally, and verbally for years. And in that, I believed to the core that I didn't belong. There was something about me that I wasn't lovable. And my life didn't matter. So then when I became an adult, I was easy pickings for an abuser. I found myself in a situation with a very charismatic and vicious man. And I was in a domestic violence situation that was life-threatening. He tried to take my life. And even in that, like so many women have done, I forgave him and went back, only to suffer more abuse. Well, that was years ago, and I can say I have recovered, I have overcome. The Lord helped me out of that situation, and that's why I'm sharing this with you. There is hope for change. Okay, so according to the Very Well Health site, that's Very Well Health, on the internet, they list four facets of the cycle of abuse, and Other organizations have to. It may be a little bit different, but it pretty much describes the stages one goes through. And of course, in the beginning, with every uh, relationship, everyone is on their best behavior, aren't they? And as they do little things, they may not even be noticed that they are detrimental to you. So the first stage described here is tension. During the tension stage, external stressors may begin to build within the abuser. External stressors could include financial problems, a bad day at work, or simply they're tired. When an abusive partner feels tense because of outside factors, their frustrations build over time. They continue to grow angrier because they feel a loss of control. And then the person 
who um, is the target of abuse, tends to try and find ways to ease the tension to prevent an abusive episode from occurring. During this time, it's typical for the person at risk of being abused to feel anxious, more and more nervous, worried. They may also be overtly alert or walk on eggshells around their partner in the hopes that they won't do anything to set their partner off. Can anyone relate to this tension stage? In my experience, the abuser would do or say something that I learned to recognize as, as the start of an incident. Usually, it began with them becoming quiet while they walked the floor, kind of like a wolf in a cage as if building up or working up their emotions for their own explosion in their mind before they erupted on you, on the, on the victim. So then the second stage is incident. Eventually, the built-up tension has to be released by the abuser to help them feel, feel though, that they have power and control. And it really is mostly about power and control. They will then begin to engage in abusive behaviors such as these, and think about these as you hear them. Hurling insults or calling their partner names. Threatening to hurt their partner. Trying to control how their partner acts, dresses, cooks, and so on. Commits physical or sexual acts of violence against their partner manipulates their partner emotionally, which can take on the form of targeting their insecurities or lying and denying any wrongdoing. The abuser may also shift the blame for their behaviors onto their partner. For example, if your partner becomes physically violent, they may say that it was your fault because you made them mad. <laughs> if only you hadn't done this or that. I can certainly relate to this. Although they may or may not apologize, they will excuse it as if it was merely a reaction to something their victim said, did, didn't do, or even, as in my case, a facial expression. Mm. I've always, even as childhood, I've been an open book, unable to hide my feelings because it's written all over my face. So my abuser would would go on and on with accusations, picking lies, even maybe shoving, and then suddenly he would scream, there you go! And that apparently excused whatever he did next. He felt free at that point to light into me. And yes, I believe it's all deliberate. I really do. <laughs> it happens repeatedly. It's a pattern. Anyway, the next stage is recon reconciliation. Hmm. Reconciliation. The reconciliation period occurs when some time has passed after the incident, the tension begins to decrease. In many cases, the person who committed the abuse will try to make things right by offering gifts and being overtly kind and loving. The reconciliation period is often referred to as the honeymoon stage because it mimics the beginnings of a relationship when people are on their best behavior. 
When the person who experienced the abuse is in this phase, the extra love and kindness from their partner triggers a reaction in their brain and releases feel-good and love hormones known as dopamine and oxytocin. This release of hormones makes them feel closer to the partner and as if things are back to normal. So, it's kind of like saying, oh, everything is right with the world now. I'd like for you to look at this stage very carefully. Because of the sufferings you had gone through, whether physical or verbal abuse or any other type of abuse, you are thankful to be past it. You are hopeful that it will never happen again. You decide to believe their excuses. They couldn't help it. It was your fault. It was partly your fault. If only this or that hadn't caused them to behave this way. And they say, it will never happen again. As you see there, as you see here, you've experienced a hormonal release. Your brain is telling you that everything is lovely again. Your mind and body are going to be past that incident and you actually translate it biologically to a closer bond with the abuser. And you think that it's faith, hope, and love, and trust. It's just a hormonal release. This is also where the hook resides and is described in my book, The Hook. What is the hook, you may ask? And this is important. This is the hook. An abuser must be kind, gentle, and loving some of the time. Otherwise, you would leave the relationship. Let me repeat that in another way. In order for the victim to stay and for the abuse to continue, the abuser is required to act nice and caring some of the time. So when you've come to this stage, they're on their best behavior, so you'll stick with them until the next storm they conjure up. Statistics show that these incidents usually increase each time in severity. So you might wonder, why am I so sure about this with the abuser? Statistics say if your abuser hits you once, it's not very likely it's, it's, it's likely that it'll happen again. But if he hits you more than once, more than likely it will happen again and this situation will escalate. They don't want to quit. They enjoy the control and the power. Okay, well, I'll get off my soapbox and get back to the, the next stage, the calm. During the calm stage, justifications or explanations are made to help both partners excuse the abuse. They both work at it. For example, an abusive partner might say that they're sorry, but blame the abuse on outside factors, such as their boss or work life, to justify what they did. The abuser may also deny that the abuse occurred or that it was not as bad as it seemed to be, that there's an exaggeration of it. In some cases, the abuser may throw some accusations toward the person that was abused to try to convince them that it was their fault. However, in most cases, the abuser will show remorse and promise that the abuse won't happen again by being more loving and understanding of your needs. Because of their convincing nature, 
you may believe that the incident wasn't as bad as you thought it was, which helps to further relieve the tension surrounding the incident, and you so desperately want to do that. Ultimately, the abuser will convince you that the abusive behavior is a thing of the past, even though it's not a thing of the past. Do you see the cycle in your life or that of others? This is the point of time the victim helps the abuser sweep it under the rug, deny it will happen again, deny it even happened, because you don't want to face it that someone you love and trust did abuse you. And according to statistics, they will likely do it again when the opportunity comes. Very, very few of them, abusers, will seek counseling and actually go through the counseling. Very few of them over a long period of time will prove that they are trustworthy. My prayer for you is that the Lord will open your eyes to see the truth in the relationship. I pray that you'll turn to God for rescue, deliverance, and for salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'll safely leave that dangerous or habitually toxic environment. You watch this podcast for a reason. There is professional help available for you and your children's safety. I urge you to contact a local shelter now if you suspect that you're in a domestic violence situation and get help to devise a safe escape plan. That is a dangerous point in the whole scheme of it. Well, I hope my sharing this story today has encouraged you to consider seeking out valid ways to overcome your past, to support someone you know, maybe within your own family, who has suffered abuse of any kind or is in it right now. Be someone they can talk to, lean on, and pray with. Help them find the resources that they need. My website has a section with resources for those suffering Suffering in it or leaving abuse. Go to KarenJaneCasey.com. And also I want to share with you, if you're in an emergency situation, call 911. The National Domestic Violence Hotline number is this, 1-800-799-SAFE. 799-7233. Stay tuned as we address other topics using My Dear Rosa Jean as a resource. Thank you, thank you for joining me in this episode of Turn to God with Karen. This is Karen Jane Casey, author, speaker, podcaster, domestic violence, victim advocate, and ambassador for Christ. Stay tuned for Turn to God with Karen every Monday morning at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in Hope and Faith Journey. Wednesday episode is Sword of the Spirit. I invite you to share your comments and suggestions. Any feedback is most welcome at my website, KarenJaneCasey.com. There you'll find the contact page, but you'll also see pertinent resource material regarding domestic violence. Also, you'll see my books, my blogs, podcasts, my series of fiction books, Standing Through Storms, and nonfiction books, Faith and Hope Journey. And I appreciate you um, staying with me through this podcast episode. It's one of the tougher ones, and it's close to my heart. 
If I seem opinionated, perhaps I am. <laughs> if you've enjoyed any of my books, any of my podcasts, and if you've, they've evoked positive change for you, uh, any kind of encouragement and hope for the future, let me know about it. I want to thank you and God bless.